Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast once again. And today I am joined by the £100,000 portfolio man, SG, once again. And we're going to talk all about the recent price dips that we've seen. Well, that's going to be the majority of the show, but we will obviously talk about a few other things. So, SG, how are you doing, man? Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I hope you're well. But yeah, yeah, not too bad. I mean, there was there was a bit of fear, probably probably a lot more than I anticipated on Twitter. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, has your portfolio survived? Uh, it survived. It's dropped, which is unusual. Um, <laughs> but it's it's something I guess that has to be expected. I think a lot of people were panicking recently, which is something we're going to talk about. You really you really shouldn't. This isn't. I wouldn't even consider what what happened the last few days with the uh, Europa and Champions League draws. There were a few drops, but I wouldn't even really consider it a, a crash. And I think it, a lot of it can be explained. Hopefully, we'll be able to to allay some fears that some newer users might have uh, later on. For sure. I hope we can put some minds at ease, particularly those who are considering leaving the index and, and, and such things. So the first question I've got for you, SG, and it kind of goes along the lines of, so we have to start you know, talking about the, the recent dips, of course. And you know, I, I want to know your take. And considering a few sales from, as we mentioned before, the European Cup draws, how, why did it snowball into this mass panic? And, and was it all warranted? Um, it's interesting. I think the thing with football analytics, you can never... People always ask, why is X player going down? Why is Y player dropping? Whatever. And you can never really give an answer because all it takes is somebody to sell. Somebody, Somebody selling might have reasons that, you can't really explain. There might not even be reasons. They might just be selling for the hell of it. Why not? Um, so it's it's hard to say. But I think for the Europa League and Champions League draws, there there sort of was a bit of logic behind it. I mean, everybody's in these sort of Europa players for the, the sort of dividends and performance buzz that comes with the semi-finals and the final. And the best case scenario would have been, you know, Arsenal drawing the weaker sides like Salzburg and. It, it sort of was a worst case scenario for Arsenal and for Atletico and for Real Madrid and for Bayern. So in a sense, it, it does make sense that those players will drop. They could have got better draws and it is the worst case scenario. So in a sense, you know, it, I wouldn't blame people for selling. Um, I think you've got to have a strategy and I think that's what some people struggle. They just expect the players to go up right and right the way till the final. But what I try to do is I sort of, rather than set a price target, I'll set a sort of, point in the season target like if they reach the semi-final I'll be looking to sell there or if they reach the final I'll be looking to sell there and obviously I'm not going to stick to that rigidly if their price goes higher than I expected it to I might look to sell if you know there, there are various reasons but I think it's good to have an exit strategy which some people don't have and that would save you in these situations where you're just panic selling yeah I, I really do think that I, I want to hammer that point home about having an exit strategy. I, I do think the hardest skill on this platform and probably in any market is to pick a point to sell. And I always talk about how when players reach a certain price, you should be kind of putting you know a bit off the table, particularly when the downside starts creeping up, if that makes sense. So when a, pra- a player reaches, say, £10 and, and you think their upside might be equal to their downside, 
at that current price is that a risk that you still want to have and maybe you could decide to take a bit of money off the table and I think you know obviously you talked about a bit of fear but you know we had Messi dropping from 1086 to 1014 and of course perhaps that was slightly more warranted because they actually dropped out the Champions League but he actually dropped maybe another 20p after the Champions League draw was made even though he wasn't involved did you think that was strange yes i guess that was very strange i can only assume it was people sort of trying to to free up funds perhaps they were sort of on the fence after barcelona went out and they missed the initial drop it's like i don't think messi's quite worth that that might be what they're thinking but i'm going to hold on and see what happens and then you come to the situation where it's like right liverpool get an easy draw i need some salad or you know i can free up a lot of money if i just sell my messi and get some salad so i think that was a large part to play in Messi's further drop. I, I can imagine that would be the thinking of quite a few traders. Yeah, and I think me and Liam spoke about this in the last episode. When players are on the fence, the, like when there's an event, it kind of pushes them over the edge. And I think Ronaldo dropping from 970 to 930, suddenly people were looking at that gap between Messi and Ronaldo and thinking, oh, well, either one of them is kind of underpriced or the other is overpriced. And I guess what people thought was that Messi was overpriced and sold. But I guess the Ronaldo drop again was, for me, I think the Real Madrid, Arsenal, Atletico player drops were slightly extreme and I'll kind of explain why when the quarterfinal draws were made for the Champions League like Real Madrid got a hard draw Juventus aren't the easiest of teams to get through I mean like Bayern Munich are probably slightly better but I don't know like uh, we didn't really see a drop when when they had PSG as well in the last 16 they were one of the favorites and we didn't see like a a massive drop when they drew them so it kind of gets to that point where I was thinking like, well, you know, if they can beat PSG and um, Juventus, then, you know, Bayern Munich are kind of of that stature. And if we didn't see drops for those two rounds, why are we seeing drops in the semifinals? I, I don't know if you want to elaborate on this and, and pick up on any points there. Yeah, I, I couldn't give you an answer as to why that is. It does seem a bit um, unusual based on the previous rounds. We didn't really see the same sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I guess, like I said before, it can only be people saying, right, if they draw Roma, I'll keep him. If they draw, you know, either of the other two teams, I'll, I'll sell or whatever. They might have a strategy. And then I think once, you know, a few people see he's dropping, and this is the thing that I think you've got to try and not do. If you, you know, if you have a strategy where you want to carry Ronaldo through the semi-final, regardless of who they're playing, then stick with it and don't be put off when he drops 10 or 20p. I mean, all in all, that's... That's only like three percent for him. Uh, not not even that. So it, it's not a huge problem. If if you see some red on your screen, like don't be forced into selling. I still think he, you know, he's worth holding through to the semi final. I can understand why people would want to sell because he's not got the the draw that that would be the, the best draw for Real Madrid. But uh, I can't really explain why he dropped this time around and not previous it's it's not really fitting with the pattern we've seen before (laughs) (laughs) for sure and i really want to you know piggyback on one of your points about seeing red and selling and do you find it funny that people sell when they see red rather than seeing it as an opportunity like i always think that that mental hurdle is really hard to overcome but when you overcome it and stop looking at red and green and you start looking at you know the buy price which is the value of the player what another trader is willing to pay for that player or asset, then you become a better trader. And I think this is something that you've talked about over and over again. We mentioned it in the last podcast. And I don't know if you want to talk about this a bit more because I guess the Messi and Barcelona player crashes during the Champions League semi-final draw were 
kind of riddled with panic and it just, there was just a sense of like lots of fear and uncertainty and people were seeing red and just kind of like you know impulsively taking actions on that decision just because they were seeing red yeah definitely i, I can appreciate that it's hard to see your players dropping and you don't know what to do and you might be inclined to sort of panic but i mean it, it really is important to try your best to sort of ignore how much profit you've made on a player or how much loss it's currently showing because it, it's not entirely relevant in fact i mean i'll go too far as to say it's, it's barely relevant at all um all that matters is sort of the price now and whether you think that's going to go up or down um i mean there's no hard and fast rule it just because a player's in the red doesn't you know i wouldn't say sell because he's dropping but likewise i wouldn't say hold blindly because he's dropping you've just got to think of it got to think of the reasons for the drop in every case and every case is going to be different but if you can see the if you can see the reasoning behind it and you agree with that reasoning then by all means sell if you think he's going to go further down but in this situation it does look like a lot of people are just thinking oh people are selling Ronaldo I better sell Ronaldo too even though it's just a difference of opinions so if if you think you know if you think you're happy to carry him through the semi-final then you can stick with that some people won't think that Uh, that's that's all it is really to think about the price not about what you're showing profit or loss really yeah I, I think you, you made a really good point there about how you know the profit or loss is really irrelevant it's the price that someone is willing to pay for that player so as soon as you start blanking out those reds and greens it actually makes your decisions a lot clearer because you will say to yourself like right do I want to sell this player do I think they're overvalued and the first question I always ask myself is would I pay that price for that player? Because that's their value, right? Their value is what someone is willing to pay for that player. So I always say, would I actually, if I was not in this position, would I buy that player for that price? And if the answer is no, I'd probably sell. If the answer is uh, maybe, then I take some off the table. And if the answer is, yeah, I'd probably buy more, then I keep because then I think that there is still a ceiling to reach, if that makes sense. Of course, there is that, you know, um, downside and upside argument i always talk about where i like to have you know twice the upside uh, compared to the downside and i think a lot of people have just thrown all these bits of logical thinking out the window and just seen the colors and just thought you know screw it i'm out if that makes sense yeah i think it's it's a heat of the moment thing isn't it sometimes you just get caught up in it as much as you can have a strategy once you start seeing players dropping you, you you can panic and i think it's an important thing to sort of learn that that sort of patience and you might lose an extra couple of of pence per share or whatever if you just take a bit of time to think about it but it's worth thinking about and if working out whether there is a reason for this drop before you sort of pull the trigger don't just don't just see the red and think oh god i've got to sell now um so how how, sorry to cut cut you off but how do people grow thicker skin then How, how do you become comfortable with seeing players in the red or seeing players fall yeah that's I don't know. I think that comes a lot down to personality and it's part of trading, I guess, isn't it? It's diff- it's, people lose bets all the time with regular betting and accumulators and people don't seem so worried about that. I think you mentioned it on, on Twitter a few days ago um, where, you know, you can lose 20, 50, 100 quid on a, on a bet on the weekend and, you know, you're expe- sort of you're accepting you're going to lose that when you put the bet on. But football industry is entirely different because it, it's sort of, your money isn't going to go to nothing all of a sudden. You might you might drop five ten percent in a day, and that would be a horrific day. But it's not like it's not like that's anything like just losing all your money on a bet. Um, so I, I don't know why people have the same sort of panic and fear 
Um, you know, I don't know where this panic and fear comes from in football index when there's a small drop in a player compared to people that are most likely used to betting in the first place and you know a, a losing bet would just be by the by so to say yeah for sure i think one of the reasons we saw more panic with this mini drop and i mean this as as you mentioned i don't even think it, i'd consider it as a crash like this used to be like most normal days right <laughs> and i think this is because we've had such an influx of new users in the last 6 months that this is the first time they've experienced a downside so what would your advice be to those new users who you know have started panicking or being a bit fearful of this this current drop at the moment because i've had friends um and you know alex who who was on the podcast on episode 20 or 21 i think about uh the, the my football index journey I don't, I don't think he even sent me a message during this whole time so i kind of saw that i was getting loads of messages from new users and then i was getting none from experienced ones and we got we were kind of having a laugh about it like well you know if, if they think this is if, if new users think this is a big drop then they do need to grow thicker skin because the drops that you'll see um you know after players drop out the world cup and and out of uh you know, probably even even the European club competitions, but also if transfers uh, don't materialise or, or they go off to China or non-PB leagues, those drops are going to be far more significant, I'll tell you what. So like, what what advice would you give to new users in this situation? Like, do they have to approach this with caution because they don't, you know, they might not have experienced the, the big downsides first? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's about... If you're unlucky enough to have joined sort of last week and you joined up and you've barely seen any growth and then all of a sudden a lot of these Europa League players that you were told are going to be really good um, crash, then that's not an ideal start. And that, you know, I could see that being off-putting. But hopefully for people who joined even just a month ago, they will have seen... We, we had incredible rises sort of middle of January up until, up until last week where it was just going up and up and up. And hopefully people who've seen that will... I've enjoyed it very much, obviously, and they'll have got to know the product during it. But you have to realize that it it's not just going to go up forever. That's, you know, whilst there's new users always coming in, it will grow in general, but there will be certain players that are going to drop off and new ones that will come to the front. It's not going to be a case of everybody going up forever and ever. So there are bound to be crashes, so to speak. We've had much bigger ones in the past than, than what just happened. I mean, Ronaldo and Messi went down whatever somewhere between three and five percent it's 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 you know it's not exactly the end of the world we've if you wait for sort of the transfers like you say transfer rumors and players going to china and players dropping out of the world cup that are otherwise not very valuable you, you i wouldn't be surprised if we saw 50 percent drops in those sort of players so mm. buckle yourself up if if you think uh, that the three to five percent drop in uh, ronaldo is, was something to worry about but yeah, I, I, all in all, I just say, you know, stick with it. It's a learning curve. If you think you made a mistake by selling him, maybe don't sell next time there's a similar situation. Hopefully you've understood why he dropped or the thinking of people who sold him and maybe that's affected your thinking for the future. I think you could got a, it's a constant learning curve. Take everything on board that you've sort of learnt from recent drops. Maybe you had too many of a certain player. You want to diver, diversify your portfolio a little bit so that, when this does happen, it's not so damning. All of a sudden, your whole portfolio is down. Um, it's it's good to have like a good spread so that if one player drops, perhaps you've got somebody else that would likely rise uh, at the same time. 
Yeah, I think that's really important that the diversification side of things, because if especially as you if you do have a large portfolio like yourself, then you know if if there are big drops in some of your holds, then the money more or less kind of balances its way out because it goes into other players that you own but also i think that the learning curve point that you made is really important because a lot of people get fixated with how much money can i make as quickly as possible and i've said this so many times and you know you guys are probably getting bored of me saying so but it is definitely you know how quickly you can learn rather than how quickly you can make that money because it's a, like if you learn this platform really quickly then the money will start making itself like it's a lot easier to make money on this platform when you know what you're doing whereas if you're just plowing money into something that you're not as comfortable with it's going to be hard for you to make money and i think like i think we we did see quite a few bubbles like in in the europa league and champions league prices where there were certain players that went from i don't know 60 70p to 2 pounds and when they get to that 2 quid mark or whatever and and they've gone that high and they've only got you know the semi-finals and finals to play for maybe or even the quarterfinals semi-finals and finals then you start thinking well you know they can only potentially win what so semi-finals 18p times two 36 plea plus another 18p you've got 54 pence to potentially play for as a maximum if they won star player three times in a row which as we've seen is you know nearly unprecedented right so why why did people continue buying and, and give in to this FOMO to certain players that were just rising and rising and rising because of the Europa League and Champions League competitions and not thinking about the downside at all? Are people chasing these dividends too much to some extent when the prices are getting that high? Because the downside just kind of negates any dividends that you could win, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people perhaps are of the opinion that it's just going to keep going up until they go out, like the team goes up, which in theory, you know, it sounds nice, but that's not how it works because there will be always people who think, all oh, right, like you just said, this guy's two quid now and he was 60 quid before they, uh, 60p before they uh, sort of got through the group stages. He's, he's going to go back down at 60 or 70p when they go out. So I might as well sell now. There's always going to be people that are thinking like that and they're going to be looking to get out when, for example, Real Madrid, get a tough draw or Atletico get a tough draw it's like right now is the time to get out um it's they're not just going to go up and up forever um until the final and then whoever wins there's just a huge crash on everyone admittedly that will still happen but <laughs> but not to um not not it's not just going to keep going up until then and then a huge crash it's going to be like pretty steady i imagine from now until the final um people will be coming out and people will be going in still trying to get those last dividends like you say but you, you can't expect the same player to win more than one dividend from here on out, really, I don't think. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got the Messi's and Ronaldo's, that, that, that calibre of player that could definitely pull it off, obviously. Um, but again, very unlikely. But I mean, you talked about players and, and markets not being able to go up forever. And, and this is something that I've said in a lot of my videos when judging when to sell a player. And that is something that you always have to think about. And I think we mentioned it in the podcast with Jay and Annie, the the second time that they came on, Jay and Annie both said, especially Annie, he said uh, that at some point people will come out and take profits. And that's going to be normal because if you buy at £3 and they get to £9, there's that psychological thing where you can be like, well, I've actually made, you know, 
six pound profit per future on here. I want to lock in that profit, even though we talked about you know the buy price and how that's how you should judge value. There's that psychological barrier that that people seem to to struggle to get past. But is there a kind of inherent problem here that a lot of people who are coming on here are going from, as we said, betting to football index, which is kind of a, a hybrid between a stock market or financial instrument and uh, traditional sports books. Are they treating them a bit too similarly? And should they be looking at kind of brushing up their, their knowledge on kind of markets and how they work rather than just looking at this like, okay, this is a bet and it, it, we should treat it again, as you said, like an accumulator where you can lose 25 quid and it doesn't matter. But but then they come onto this kind of hybrid and they see small drops and they get very scared. Should they be kind of brushing up on that side of things, the, the market side of things rather than the betting side of things? Um, yeah, obviously it's it'd be good to have that sort of market knowledge. It, it's not the same as betting. <laughs> like you say, uh, I don't know where you would exactly brush up on this knowledge i think the best the best place to do it would be football index so to speak if you're not entirely sure with how it's how it's working then just start small sort of thing that there will be drops along the way um i think hopefully it's it's pretty easy to once you've been on it for a month or so it's pretty easy to to understand how things work and that players can drop 20 30 percent if some bad news comes out but all in all, generally, it's you know it's an upwards trend, and you just got to pick the right players at the right time. It's, I think it, it is sort of hard to to come from a betting background and go into this. It, it is entirely different because I, I wouldn't expect if you whatever money you put into football index, I'd be very surprised if anyone managed to to sort of lose more than twenty percent of that. Um, with you know, if, even if you've got. A, not very good football knowledge and you you shove it all into two or three players you, you you do well to lose more than sort of a quarter of your money so it's not like you've suddenly lost everything and it, yeah like you say it's good to have a knowledge of the market and it would be good to to sort of brush up on on how that works it's certainly uh helpful knowledge to uh to help you sort of trade definitely yeah that that's totally true i think you know we we talked about it beforehand that you can just kind of stick 25 quid on on an accumulator and see it fly away and you're just kind of like well you know I'll, I'll have another chance next week and whereas here you can put in 100 quid and you know you could start off by losing maybe you know 10 15 quid but then over the course of 3 to 6 months I'd be incredibly surprised if you if you didn't kind of have more than that initial investment and or, or deposit sorry and I think like I do want to talk about this a little bit as well, where a lot of people are kind of depositing maybe like 10, 15, 20 quid and then going straight into depositing another 500 quid. And the way I think you should do it is depositing bit by bit. So I think your first investment or deposit should be like, you know, you know, the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 quid mark. And that's where you kind of learn. That's the learning stage of things. And then after that, you want to kind of leak that money in slowly because as you said if you joined last week and put 300 quid in chances are you're probably going to have less money than you than you did three uh, a week ago right because of all these recent drops whereas if you leak that money in gradually like maybe say if you say all right every sunday i'm going to put in another 25 quid or every sunday i'm going to put in another 50 100 quid depends how much expendable income you have then that means you kind of and this is a market term you dollar cost average in so that you kind of avoid like 
taking on the losses when they do come so when the market's falling you you're like not putting in all your money at once and then you're suddenly in a situation where oh damn i've put in 500 quid it's now worth 400 quid i'm not sure what to do whereas if you're putting in 50 quid at a time you're going to be putting in money at different times of a market cycle some of those will be up and some of those will be down but at the end of the day it will kind of average it itself out and you're more likely to be up on that total investment over say six to eight weeks rather than one lump sum and i know like me and you have probably done lump sums at uh, at some point but maybe because we've been on the platform for more than two years but there's more a thing for new users where I don't think a bulk deposit is the best idea. I think go in gradually so that you avoid taking those massive dips on with a bulk deposit, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I think it's very much down to your attitude to risk and sort of your general strategy uh, going in towards sort of the end of the season and towards summer and the World Cup and transfers and all of that. I would certainly agree you don't want to be sticking a load of money in straight away because uh, this is like the most volatile period of the year um, and you could you could end up with half your money by the start of next season but what I would say is towards at the start of the season I think um, it's sort of a lot more stable and the players that get off to a good start in the season are likely to grow you know throughout the season so uh, it, it depends I think most of us who have been on here for a long time will all wish that we'd put more in earlier which sort of goes against what you're saying in terms of a uh, steady investment. Um, but it, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking at it as a sort of savings thing where you can just check away, you know, put 50 quid from your pay packet straight in a football index and, and you know, 50 quid a month, let it tick along, then, then yeah, that's, that's a great thing to do. But if you're, you know, if you've got a few thousand pounds lying around or whatever, it's some savings. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against, putting it all in straight away but <laughs> but make sure you spread it out you could you know you could be very unlucky and you deposit and the next week there's a big crash but if you just look over the last year the crashes are very few and far between and you know they always come back stronger and you know players have gone up three or four times in in the last year and obviously we're not going to see the same players go up three or four times. You're not going to, I doubt we're going to see sort of a Kane and Messi at, at 30 quid this time next year. <laughs> but, but you know, that I imagine the upward trend on those main players will continue. So the more money you have in earlier, the better in that sense. It's very dependent on how you view, you know, the risk. Um, I, I think if it's, if it's right now, you know, I would advise against going very good and go and chucking everything in at one player because we're coming up to, pretty awkward time on football index where where it gets very volatile but i think if you're looking at next season you think you've got a few you know a few gems uh then i I think it's it's a good time to to put quite a lot in if if you can uh i know that's pretty much uh, damning what you've just said but it it depends on the person it depends on the person i think you know you you've got to be happy to accept the loss if you put a lot of money in straight at the start but i think the reward outweighs the risk that that's exactly what i was going to say actually i think um it's all dependent on what type of person you are and how okay you are with losing X amount of money. And once you start becoming okay with loss from a monetary perspective, when investing or gambling, whatever you want to call this, I guess investing to some extent is gambling. You're kind of betting that a a stock or or bond will increase in price or or yield a certain amount of dividends over, over a certain period of time. Uh, I think, yeah, that's that's a really important point. Like, if 
if you're okay with with a lot of loss then you know by all means chuck as much money as you want in uh that you have expendable <laughs> to you but if you if you are quite cautious I, I do urge uh considering that approach where you do kind of average yourself in so that you 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 can take the brunts of of the the falls when they do come in the market much better because you aren't investing all your money at once but i do think i want to speak a bit about a lot of talk about like ices on on twitter and comparing them to football index which i find quite funny uh i i don't want to be too damning of the people doing this on twitter because like i kind of see what they're trying to do in terms of create a more positive aspect of football index but are they are they kind of um, like are they kind of making this platform seem more safe of an investment than it actually is because it is volatile as we talked about there is a chance that you could lose money whereas with an isa if you put money in leave it there for a year the chances are you're going to have more money in by the end of the year than you did at the beginning unless you know you're in a stocks and shares isa where the market's done ridiculously badly like it did in 2008 when we saw a calamitous economic crash what are your thoughts on this because i, I always find it potentially slightly irresponsible because you're you're giving off the impression that this is like this should replace your savings which is i i think a, a bad move yes i know you're uh quite big up on this whole money management thing which i agree with it's it is uh yeah i i have an isa and football index uh simultaneously and i would not say they're the same uh you know you can i've got a stocks and shares isa and sure it can go down a little bit but you can guarantee in in sort of 10 years time it'll still be there um you know hang, hanging around it's like absolutely zero worry um there is a little bit of a risk in football there's more of a risk in football index quite simply isn't it it's it's not it's you can't put all of your savings into it as much as maybe i have done that you you can't really put all of your savings into it um it's you've got to be very you know your attitude you've got to be sort of a a risky a risk taker if you want to put a lot in you you can't really treat it as a nice uh, in the long term i think if you're looking very short term then you know, maybe it's it's going to make you ten percent where you would only make one percent elsewhere or whatever. And yeah, but it's it might not continue forever. That that's the ultimate thing. It, it might not carry on forever. That's that's the problem. <laughs> I think there's a there's a massive disparity in risk as well. And I tweeted this saying like, one is a startup, a unique product that's never been seen before in in its third year. It's in its infancy, really. And an ISA is like fca regulated sometimes from a bank where you know and of course like if if those banks liquidate or these financial companies liquidate then they are government secured like you will still get your money if football index as a startup fails or as a company fails there's only a medium uh security guarantee by the gambling commission which and again those those uh security uh, and I've looked at this on the Gambling Commission re- uh, website. They're very vague. Like I, I wouldn't know how much money I'd get back if Football Index folded tomorrow. You know, touch wood. Uh, I don't think it will, uh, and I wouldn't be making this podcast, all this content, if I wasn't bullish on on this kind of product. Uh, it would be very, very weird if if I was very down on the product and was making spending all this time making this this uh, this content and uh, you know trading on the platform. But I do think it's really important to you know obviously diversify yourself uh, all money wise, but also to know the the risk that you're taking. Like this is not an ISA. 
that is that is for certain but but we'll move on then enough money talk uh and you mentioned earlier that uh you, you can lose 50 percent over the transfer window and i know that you had a bit of a nightmare last summer and i kind of wanted you to talk us through that and then talk about how you know what what lessons that you've taken from from that uh from that time and, and how it's improved you as a trader and made you a lot more money in the long term uh yeah definitely i would say this is a pretty big lesson that i that i did learn as well uh usually quite stubborn and arrogant in my ways but i have to admit that it sort of did change my strategy quite a lot. Um, when I started putting quite a lot of money in, I would sort of hone down on one or two players that I thought, you know, these are the guys that are going to go up, you know, 100% over the next month or so, or they're going to get loads of dividends. And I'd put, I'd put 30, 40% of my portfolio into, into a very small number of players. Um, so I had a lot of, uh, when was it sort of last May last April May we were, a lot of us were on Zlatan Ibrahimovic obviously when he got injured and he dropped it depends when he got out of it but I think I got out at sort of a 20% from his peak so that was 20% down on my portfolio value of him and then most of the money that went out of him I put into Griezmann because um, it was looking like he was going to United and obviously he went up a little bit after that uh, and then he said you know he's, he's staying for another year or whatever and that was another 30 40 50 percent loss on Griezmann so it was just a, a huge dip in my profits um, and then I think after that went into James Rodriguez I think I already had some James Rodriguez but and he was another one that failed to go to United so it was three huge sort of investments that all went the wrong way uh, and I sort of, I'd like to say I learned my lesson immediately, but I didn't because then I put all of it into Neymar and that one came good. So I sort of rescued myself. But since then, I've, I hopefully won't fall into that trap again sort of this summer. And I've, I, I don't have, I think my biggest holding is about 15% of my portfolio, which I'm a lot more comfortable with sort of thing. Um, feels like, you know, if one player crashes, you're only going to lose 5% of my entire portfolio worth, whereas before it could have been like a whole quarter core of my portfolio so i think it's i've certainly learned to diversify in terms of the transfers i will not be going anywhere near as big on any of the players i just don't think i haven't got that sort of timing right a lot of people can get the timings really good like they spot the piece of news really quick and then play goes up 20 30p in the next 10 minutes and then you're quickly in and out um but that's not something i've quite got the knack to and it's much harder to do with a big portfolio if you've got a small portfolio, that's sort of an ideal bank builder. But for me to get the sort of monetary worth, I have to, you know, I feel like I have to buy three, four, five hundred of the player and go up 20p and I've made, you know, a hundred quid or whatever. And it's it's a lot harder to do that than just buying 20 or 30 of them. Um, I mean, just, just to play devil's advocate there, <laughs> um, but could you have done that last summer with the likes of, you know, Maratta, uh, Bellotti quite, quite a few times in and out? Yeah, I must. Oh, you absolutely. You certainly can do, but it, it's it's the sort of thing that I feel it's it's a bad attitude. I guess it's something that I feel doesn't doesn't earn as much as it's a lot of work to do for uh, for like not as much profit as just sitting on a load of you know Neymar or whatever, which I can afford to do and takes no time. And admittedly, if you've got a small, smaller portfolio, you can't you know you can't tie it all up with Neymar and just get the occasional dividend to to carry you over some profits 
Um, so you really want to be looking into getting these transfer flips, but it's just not something that I <laughs> I really honed down the skill for, to be honest. Um, also, you know, I say that I always do partake. I buy a hundred of this player or whatever, hundred of that, and uh, hope he hope he goes up. But I won't I won't hold on for them to them uh, for long. And more often than not, they go down a little bit before I sell them. <laughs> so I'm just helping all of you guys out, really. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the transfer window is really tricky and I, I do think it is really hard to, to time it right. And, you know, you, you mentioned the bank builder there and I'm going to plug it a little bit. So I've I just recorded the, the most recent episode hitting uh, £400 or whatever. Uh, and I think I've decided when it gets to £500, <laughs> and again, this is completely against what you were just saying and against everything I, I believe in, but I'm basically going to take that £500 and go all in onto one player every single time. Uh, and and this isn't to uh, show you how you should actually do, like trade or make your portfolio because obviously doing that is very, very stupid. Um, I just wanted to kind of use one player at a time to show you how when the opportunity is right, as we talked about putting big money or bigger capital into certain uh, positions, that's where you start making the real money, right? Because the 100, 200 futures for the, the transfers in and out, that's some tidy profit. And over a long term, you know, those multiply together and you make a lot more money. However, the real money can come from actually going in on a player at the right time and then getting out of a player at the right time, but with a bit more capital. And I'm sure this is something that, that you have have done over and over again and and this is probably how you've built up your strategy am i right yeah absolutely so if you can see a player that you think is undervalued by 50p or a pound or whatever then you've got to sort of trust yourself and think right in the next i don't know everybody's got their own time frames but you think in the next couple of months people are going to start realizing that this guy should be worth a load more so i'm going to buy a lot of them and then when everybody else realizes you slowly leak it to the market at 50 50p to a pound higher that is where you make that is you know that's the the best way to make big percentage money um when you've got a larger balance like you say if you're going in with like you know 500 thousand pounds like you're going to be uh, attempting shortly um yeah don't, i mean don't be afraid if you if you think someone is wildly undervalued um obviously it's a, a bold call to make but it it can be a good idea to put quite a lot of money in that player um obviously it's a risk and it comes down to how risky averse you are obviously um but you know that that is a quick way to make a lot of money if you get those calls right certainly uh certainly is something you perhaps want to look into yeah yeah i mean i think this is when you are very comfortable on football index this is probably the best way that you can make money i mean the most money i've made has been going big on players recently and the risk has been high but I felt that they were the right it was the right time to go in on those players and I've managed to make myself quite a lot of money more than I was doing beforehand before I kind of started implementing this strategy and I'm happy for it and I think I want to share that with the users but with the bank builder and I kind of think it makes it more accessible to people with bigger portfolios as well because if you do see that I'm doing this for 500 pounds and there's no reason you can't, you can do it with 2000 pounds, right? Because it's just on one player. It's not me kind of going in and out of a load of, uh, a load of random players for, for PV potential or transfer potential. This is me going in on one player for various reasons and then selling them at a higher price. Hopefully, obviously, I mean, could, equally go back down to the hundred pounds that i started the the youtube series with which i hope doesn't happen <laughs> and uh, so we talked about like what happened to you last summer 
what's your, your strategy going to be with such a massive portfolio over this this coming transfer window and this coming World Cup? Of course, this this massive summer for the football index. Um, well, yeah, when you had you had um, I think it was Stamford on a few weeks ago who he was convinced that the World Cup players are still due a big rise, and I would completely agree with that. I I don't think it's it's not the case of them being worth it, so to speak. Like it, it's hard to put a, a short term value on anyone. It's the fact that people will be sort of at a loss with what to do with these players that are now worthless that aren't going to the World Cup. You know, you're going to be selling all your regular players that are sort of fringe World Cup players or they're not going to the World Cup at all. Um, the, the players um, that are just performing their leagues quite well or whatever. And then you're going to have a lot of spare cash in your account and it's going to go on the World Cup players. It's just, it seems inevitable that that is where the money is going to go. I'm not saying that the players should be worth more. I just think they're all going to go up a significant amount once the season finishes. Um, so my strategy between now and the end of the season will be slowly stocking up on these World Cup players that I think are going, I've still got a big rise in them. I know you don't think they do necessarily and it's all about different opinions, I guess, but that's that's just my view on where the, the market is going in general over the next couple of months. Fair enough. I think what I would say is there are some players that are already really overinflated. The reason why I made a tweet the other day, and I don't know if you saw it, was about who's going to be the next Mo Salah for the World Cup and for next season, right? I think those guys that kind of overperformed during the World Cup, like Dua Hammers Rodriguez, for example, in the last World Cup, or I mean, that's an extreme example because he was absolutely phenomenal in that World Cup. But those guys that overperform maybe not your your staple guys like the Ronaldo Messi's I don't know you Tony Cruz and Muller's for Germany I know those guys have seen really nice rises and by all means they could see bigger rises the biggest rises are going to come from the players that no one really expects to do that well and they're going to come from the teams that maybe kind of over overperform and uh, I mean I'm not saying if Mohamed Salah drags Egypt to the semi-finals he's going to fly up because he's already you know what, 950 or whatever um I, I'm talking about the, the you know those players for maybe the Denmarks etc and and maybe Sweden who, who who could surprise us like Iceland did in in uh in the the Euros and I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be strange to to see football index properly implemented during the World Cup, and I don't know what's going to happen. My feeling is that there is going to be a point where a lot of the index is fixated on the World Cup, but that cycle I think is going to be a lot shorter than we think. Uh, and I think the transfer window, as soon as some of those transfer window or transfer linked players kind of get into those media spots, I know uh, Football Index SOTD, who was actually supposed to join us on this podcast, unfortunately, he always says that those players that get into those top three spots during the triple media days are going to fly for, for transfer value, right? And I think that's really true. And I, I do think there is value in the World Cup. I'm just not sure where exactly the value is if that makes sense so i'm often caution in telling cautious sorry in telling people when they ask me what world cup players to go for i'm always like well you know these players have already had a massive rise i'm not sure these players are going to do too well it's going to be the players that surprise you right yeah i think the definition of the term value is important here and also the timing so i would say before the world cup 
we're likely to see rises in the players you mentioned, like Cruz and James Rodriguez, and you know all of those staple names that we we know are good. Uh, but also, like you say, there are going to be probably twenty or thirty players that are going to, you know, treble or quadruple in value during the World Cup. So that's sort of like a month later. I would say we'll see those players rise. I think once we hit the World Cup, the cruises and all of those, they're not gonna there's not gonna be much movement. That all of that rising will be in anticipation. And then once we actually get to the World Cup, it'll be those, you know, the players that people haven't really heard of, the Denmark and the Swedens, um, that out overperform and, you know, from that will obviously get linked to the Prem and there'll be loads of articles about them. And as much as they won't probably won't be expensive enough to win media, it 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 just causes massive rises on football and it's as we've seen before. Um whether they're warranted or not, it's it's something that we can you know you can all profit off if you if you get on early enough. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think I, I'm really excited to see what happens. Uh, again, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I think it'll be a great time for the index. Whatever happens, I said this in a, in a couple podcasts ago, whatever happens, whether I make money over the World Cup or no, I don't, I do think that this is going to be great for the index in terms of users, in terms of branding, in terms of making it, because there is still that kind of like uh, dodgy mess surrounding it. I think maybe that will clear slightly during the World Cup, maybe if we see some some big adverts going on during that time, then this could be a really, really big moment for the index in general. But I, I do want to talk about one other thing. And you talked about how you're buying players for the World Cup, right? And I actually wanted to ask you, like, right now, since people have stopped buying the, the Europa League Champions League players, is it only World Cup that you're going for, or is there the transfer side of things again that 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 could tickle your fancy, or are you trying to avoid that as much as possible? Uh, no, absolutely. If somebody's got the potential to be to be linked in a big transfer or to the Premier League, then that is certainly a bonus, and I would be more interested in investing them than, in them than somebody who doesn't have that aspect to their to their sort of um, to their game. Uh, I. I don't really know. I haven't really formulated an exact plan as to who I'm going for, but there are there are a handful of players that have got the potential to be linked to the Premier League and are already good at PB in a good World Cup team. So I think those are the guys that sure they're not going to double in price between now and the World Cup, but they could easy they could easy see a sort of 30-40% rise and that that's enough for me if you've got a big enough investment in them then uh, you know that that's some healthy profit that's really true i think um people do fixate and again this is me backtracking on myself but sometimes when you do think a player is really undervalued and you go quite big on them it doesn't necessarily mean that they're undervalued because that's just your opinion and we've talked about this like the market is it doesn't care about your opinion right and so if they are tw- up 20 30p and you're like well you know they're actually going to go up another 70p the market sometimes doesn't reflect that and sometimes you need to know when to kind of take some of that off the table as well so that is another important tip that i would talk about during the the transfer window is to to know when to cut your losses or to know when to kind of exit a position when a player has risen a lot we've seen Luke Shaw go from 120 to 190 or nearly two pounds back to 150 we've seen Anthony Martial go from 250 up to 310 then back to 275 so these rises and falls I know know, uh, we've talked about how PB sometimes negates the potential downside we're still going to see massive rises and massive falls and I don't know what you think about that as well do you think 
like you said before, that we are going to see some 50% falls, even with PB like implemented fully and minimizing that downside if a player goes, say, to Italy or Spain instead of England. It's, you know, bad for their investment, but it's not going to be like an an eighty percent loss, like we saw with Morata when he went to Milan, for example. Uh, yeah, there, there, there are are going to be some big drops for sure. I imagine. Uh, I think the spreads that Football Index implement rightly or wrongly are going to mean that perhaps fifty percent drops are going to be hard to come by. And I think a lot of people are, are more willing to sort of hold on to players now as well uh, with Coutinho and and well, particularly Coutinho when he went abroad. I was surprised he stayed so high, and he's sort of still lingering around the three pound mark, which I think is. You know, I'd say it's a little toppy for me, but uh, it, I, I think people are sort of happy to stick with their investments sometimes when they drop. So um, it, it's hard to say exactly how big some of the drops will be. There, there will be big ones. It's going to be a volatile time when when teams crash out of the World Cup. Um, but likewise, other, other players are going to rise by similar amounts. So I, I, it's hard to predict, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Like, I think the most important thing that, that you might want to take away from this podcast is that no one knows what's going to happen. Um, but like, uh, we'll, we'll kind of end on maybe this one. So you've obviously got a massive portfolio. And uh, as we've seen in the, in the title, uh, you know, it's six figures, which is pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to traders with smaller portfolios? First of all, with these kind of uh, dips that we've seen recently and also for the forthcoming World Cup and transfer window this this summer, what strategies would you advise them to to kind of implement with smaller, smaller portfolios rather than a massive one like yourself? Okay, yeah, for me, I'd say it's, it's quite hard for me to answer the question because the things that uh, the things that help small portfolios thrive are not the sort of things that I necessarily concentrate on. Um, but it feels to me that if your player goes up, you know, if there's a sudden, if he scores a goal and he goes up 20p or if there's a bit of hype around him and he goes up 20p, then I'd be selling and moving on to the next one. Uh, I think take every little small rise. Um, if you can get a small rise suddenly out of a player, I'd be trying to just, you know, quickly sell that player and move on to the next one because they could, every day players go up 20% and, it you know, it's hard to find that player. But, you know, if you take your time to look around for the, those sort of players that are linked to the Prem, uh, those players that perform well for their teams that perhaps are undervalued and, you know, when they score that goal that they'll go up 20p or, I mean, like that Sakai guy from Marseille, I don't even know who he is. I just saw that, he was quite cheap and he was in the Europa League and he scored the other day, went up 20% and yeah, I sold him. I didn't have many of them, but that's the sort of, it's an unnatural rise that, that isn't justified to be that big. So when that happens, I wouldn't just hold blindly and hope he does it again. He's suddenly become, that, that spike is something you need to take advantage of and you know you can take the profit, move on to another player. I think that's a sort of quick in and out is what, is best for the smaller portfolios yeah for sure and i think when you when you do exit the position and i've i think if anyone's gonna only watch two like one or two videos on my channel the first one should obviously be the beginner's guide plug 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 uh and the second one should be the selling early isn't a bad thing isn't always a bad thing because what i talk about that one is when you sell a player and you've they've risen 20 30 you've then got more money to then go into another position or say two positions because you now have more money that haven't risen yet. And when those two go up another 15, 20%, 
then this kind of thing snowballs in effect and and this is true with bigger portfolios as well like me and you were talking about when you go in on a player massively and they go up a pound and you've got a thousand of them you've made a thousand pounds and then when you exit that position you have a thousand pounds excess capital to invest in other positions that's no small amount so that means when you go into those other positions with that profit with the existing capital that you already have then, you know, when those players go up again, this snowball just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And people need to talk, think about that like that. Those small incremental gains mixed with those big ones as well. This just snowballs into you having more and more capital, being able to diversify more, therefore lower your risk. And then basically in the long term, make a lot more money on this platform. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would argue that for the, for the small portfolios, you don't even... You almost don't even need to look in the top 200. Uh, there's just for all, sure. all of these players that are 60, 70p that could you know, go up to a pound in a day. If you buy enough of them, you'll, uh, they're very unlikely to go down. A lot of them have got barely any investment in them already. And you know, if you hold on to them for long enough, um, they'll spike up to a pound and you just sell and reinvest it. Like I said, you've got more money than you had before. Reinvest that in a couple of other players. Um, go into a couple that haven't risen that you thought might have and... It, it just grows and grows, I guess. But if you've got a small portfolio, stick to the cheaper players because they've got the, the bigger percentage rises in them. Yeah, so I actually saw a couple of debates or arguments on Twitter. I do like the debates because they actually make you think the arguments less so. <laughs> the, uh, the debate about the low price and high price players and which ones are more risky. Uh, I think SOTD was was involved in this and he usually gives quite a balanced approach um, and and he usually has a few pearls of wisdom. But what's your, what's, what's your opinion? You, you said just there like the low price players don't have that much to fall. Surely that makes them less risky than a Messi or Ronaldo who could fall on a two, three quid. What's, what's your opinion? Um, yes, I would argue that that sort of is true. It depends on how long you, how much time you can sort of spend on the index, I guess you'd, if you're on it all the time, you'd, you'd be very unlucky to sort of miss Messi dropping two pounds and you'd hope you'd be out before that happens. If, if there was a piece of news, um, whereas with the cheaper players, you know, one portfolio could call, could hold almost all of the shares in that player. And, you know, you look five minutes later and he's gone down 50% because that guy sold them all. Uh, so that is the sort of risk that potentially could be greater in the cheaper players. You, you don't know how many people have got them in that portfolio and he could drop suddenly out of nowhere for no reason. But I, I'd still say that it's it's a small risk compared to the potential reward that you would get on the on the smaller players. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely healthy to have a mix if you have a bigger portfolio. If you have a smaller one, maybe I don't know four fig like low four figures or or even lower than that, then maybe having I don't know 30 40% in one of the big boys isn't going to be as healthy unless you pretty much never look at the index and in which case then you're probably thinking really long term and you're just looking to accumulate as many as much dividends as you, as you want. I think my, my friend Alex, when he came on, he, he talked about how um, he, he's definitely in it for the long term and he, he kind of just looks to for for dividends to come in and then and then sell players when they've when they've risen past the the value that he thinks that is is kind of like right for them if that makes sense and you talked about like kind of trolling through the the squad and i did this quite a, a late hour last night after i got in from from somewhere i was and checked my phone for a while and i had a lot of messages etc and then i did a, a bit of digging for about five ten minutes and, and saw just some players that 
I, I was kind of had on my watch list that had already flown up. And I think a lot of people are, are doing a lot more research now. Their research game has got very strong because I was looking at these players who were like 50p maybe a month and a bit ago. And now they're 75, 80p. And I'm like, damn, I mean, I, I should have probably gone into them because my, my thought was, you know, why buy them now when I can buy them for 5, 10p more, more, more uh, 5, 10p higher like a month before the transfer window and then they'll get the links and go up 20 30p whereas now they're already like 70 80p and and who knows where they can go when when the transfer window starts we've already seen i, I think uh looking at the results today in the premier league i think it looks quite likely that stoke and southampton are going down and uh, we talked about this in in the bundesliga podcast about bundesliga players that could be going down and moving into the bundesliga or abroad to the premier league but you're looking at southampton squad and how they they could just be absolutely ripped apart we've seen recent rises in in the likes of uh ryan bertrand and stuff like that so if players like that of relatively low profile are, are flying up and, and luke shaw's going to 190 then some of these squad players you know you never know what they could go from you know they could easily go from 50p to a pound 10 very quickly can't they yeah absolutely can yeah definitely it's um it's like you say it's the trawling through the squad bit that's the the sort of hard <laughs> part. you've got to put the effort in if you you want to make money none of it's sort of free uh if you've got a little bit of time on your hands to find those players that are you know going to get relegated like you say or out of contract um you, you can pick up some real bargains and they go unnoticed i think by a lot of people which is why when they suddenly a bit of news comes out about them or or something happens that they do see those huge rises because people have never heard of them and i mean it's, it's not something i do personally where i go through the squad and look at all of these players so I'd be the, exactly the sort of guy that the smaller portfolios would would want to be banking on realizing that this happens, but f- far too late to the game. Like I'd happily pay fifty p for someone who perhaps was thirty p before. If he's going to go up to a pound, and, and I'm going to be the one that's going to take him, you know, a quarter of the way to that pound. So if if you can beat if you can beat the guys with the big portfolios to these sort of players, then you can you can make a lot of money. And I, I can guarantee you, I'm not spending all of my time looking through all the squad players to find the the next man to move out of the Bundesliga that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh well uh, I'm sure whatever happens this transfer window and the World Cup is going to be really exciting for the index but don't spend all your time on it do do get out and enjoy the sunshine maybe uh, it's really uh, hot today it really is warm today in London which is which is great maybe uh, we, we picked the wrong day to, to do this podcast right in the middle of the day but uh, anyway honestly SG has been great having you on today where can people find out more about you and follow your very opinionated tweets uh yeah thanks for having me uh i'm called sg on twitter you can find me uh at cy gaskell um i usually just tweet a few stats about my own portfolio or about some players very occasionally and then i'll uh have some sort of arrogant opinion that you can argue with me about uh, i look forward to hearing from you right yeah and yeah if you guys did enjoy this then please do subscribe to the podcast and if you did enjoy this episode and if you're enjoying the podcast if it's helping you trade on football index please do leave a review i can't stress how much it helps rank the podcast and get the football index name out there you know i've seen it a few times now or several times actually in the top 200 uk charts which is awesome for for sports and recreation never dreamt that it would happen this quickly but also means that the football index name is out there in the open for everyone to see and if you are looking to own your trading skills a bit more have a look at the youtube channel and subscribe there as well watch some of those videos they can help you if you're very new do 
watch the beginner's guide that has helped a lot of people from what i've heard so far uh i thought i'd kind of butchered it but it seems that it's it's helped a few newbies so far and yeah keep an eye on the bank builder an episode will be going out mid next week and then the episode after that will be probably or hopefully hitting 500 pounds and then the episode after that will be me going slightly crazy and putting that 500 pounds all into one player i look forward to seeing god look forward to oh god what do i end on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh yeah cheers for listening everyone i hope this makes your commute a bit better thank you